My name's Dave, I'm one of the um, pastors here. And uh, as um, Bod has just mentioned, um, I want to talk a little bit, spend a bit of time this week thinking about next week. Um, next Sunday, as he, as he said, it's Invitation Sunday, and the service next week is going to be perfect for bringing friends to. Particularly, they don't know Jesus, never been in church before. Everything we do, the talk, the songs, um, the welcome, everything will be geared towards them. So really accessible, we won't do any weird things. Um, it's a safe place, easy language, no Christianese. So uh, we'd love you to invite you. Please invite your friends. Um, you know what it's like if you've... Um, is, that, is this working properly? Can you hear this? Keep going. I'm getting this. Uh, so um, you know what it's like if you've ever um, invited friends, if you've ever brought a friend to church, you kind of sit there slightly tentative, aware of like everything and anything that's being said. Maybe you're actually in that position here this morning. You're feeling those very things, and you're like, please don't say anything weird. But um, we brought some friends uh, a while ago, and I remember um, we, it, it was great, but I was, I was thinking exactly that. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And we sang that song, if you hear regularly, Spirit Break Out. You know that song? I love that song, and I sing it loads of times. I lead worship here, and I sing it myself loads of times. But I was singing it, and I was like, oh, my goodness, why can't people write songs that make sense? I was like... Who, what does this language mean to our friends, you know? And then we started singing about being like a tree, and I nearly lost the plot. Um, <laughs> but to be honest, I don't think they really minded. They just loved the feel and the experience. And we're trying to think about next Sunday with the question, if you're new, would this make sense? Would this be weird? Has it been explained? Is it, it's going to be a service for people who aren't church regulars, so get, do get inviting. Uh, the Alpha course, as Bud has said, is going to start straight after it, so it's a bit of a launch event for that, and it's good because then it's, it's not like just a one-off, you know, like next Sunday and then nothing else, but there's, there's options moving forward, so do invite people. Seven little words, would you like to come to church? So hopefully you feel like you could bring your friends along any Sunday, every Sunday, but particularly next Sunday is going to be an easy one. So there should be a flyer on your chair. Um, which you should be, I think you'll be sitting on, that you can take, give some. There's more, give some, there's more at the Connect area as well. Um, you can share the website link, trentv.org. Um, like, share the Facebook page. Be creative. A couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife Lizzie was like, hey, maybe we could invite some friends around, some of our neighbors around for um, Easter Saturday breakfast, and uh, we could invite them to Easter Sunday services, we could invite them to Invitation Sunday. And I was like, great, that sounds great, yeah, go for it. Um, so later that week, um, I was like, so who's coming, like, in quantity, what sort of quantities do we need to, to get? Turns out she'd invited 60 of our neighbors around for breakfast. I was like, Sick, what, how? To our house, like, we've got three little boys under four. I was like, how on earth are we going to have 60 guys around? And who's going to cook all that bacon? And who's going to pay for all that bacon as well? Um, she just made this little flyer, and she sort of just liberally handed it out. And uh, anyway, so we decided to get some small group involved to help us cook this, this food. And um, I think in the end, we had about 30 people come. And we, uh, a, few, a couple came uh, to the Easter service the next day. And then we're hoping that a bunch would, would come tomorrow, uh, next week, sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, be creative. Look for opportunities. Speaking of looking for opportunities, um, has anyone seen um, Michael McIntyre's Saturday night show? Has anyone seen that? Hands in the air. 
Yeah, a few, a few people. Well, I've, I've seen it a couple of times, and it is hilarious. And he does this thing uh, called Send to All, when he gets uh, like a celebrity's phone, and, um, and he'll text like a slightly funny message from their phone to everyone in their contact list, and then wait to see sort of what the replies are, what the responses are. Anyway, I thought it'd be good to do a large-scale invite for next Sunday. So if you want to get your phone... No, just kidding. But I do actually have uh, Michael's phone here. Where's Michael? There he is. Can you see him over there, hands in the air? Excellent. So I've got Michael's phone here, which is very brave of him, uh, because actually, literally anything could happen now, Michael. Uh, But I have permission to do a send-all invite. So let's give it a go. This isn't an iPhone, so I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing. I don't know when this thing was made, but um, here we go. So let's do this to everyone. Hey. It's Michael, (laughs) the legend, Walton. (laughs) It's Michael. Hope you are good. I'm a slow typer. You've got to bear with me. Hopefully you're good. I've just written. (laughs) Hope you are good. Hope you are good. So next Sunday, my church is having... is having a service that I'd love you to come to. It's going to be swell. (laughs) No? No? Okay. Epic. How about, no? Super? Duper? (laughs) No? It's going to be great. (laughs) You can find out more on trentv.org. Would you like to come? Question mark. P.S. Do you fancy meeting up this week? (laughs) Perhaps Wednesday? No, 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 no. Maybe I could buy you a drink soon. No. Would you like to come? Kiss? <laughs> Heart emoji? Just come. I'll leave, we'll leave it there. Question mark. Okay. Here we go. Send to all. Excellent. Let's give Michael a round of applause. So if you're struggling uh, to think of anything to do, any way of inviting people, then there you go. There's one free. Uh, you could do it in the, after the service. Um, well, whatever it looks like, do please get inviting. But for the rest of this morning, I want to just spend some time thinking about why it's important that we do. I guess I'm speaking today primarily uh, to those of you who would say you are a follower of Jesus. Uh, if you're here for the first time and you're just sort of exploring faith, then I hope that um, what you see in here today is that it's a, a group of people who really want to share something good. Something that they've found that they don't just want to sit down and keep to themselves, but share. But I want to spend a bit of time thinking about why. Why should we? And I think the quick answer is this. Because you could be for someone what someone was for you. Because you could be for someone what someone was for you. I wonder how you ended up here today. If you're a Christian, how you ended up following Jesus. I bet if you go back far enough 
it will be because of somebody. Someone talked to you, invited you to something, talked to you about Jesus, brought you to an event where you heard about Jesus. For me, it was my parents and family. Um, you know, they followed Jesus, everything they had, totally, authentically, in the unrehearsed moments of life, in the sad and difficult and painful times, I saw them cling to Jesus. And it made a big impact on me, and they talked to me about Jesus. And over the years, I sort of grew to know and love him for myself and make my own decision to follow him. But they were the somebody for me. I wonder who it was for you. For the vast majority of us, there will be someone, somebody who played a key part in us being here in this room, in, that, in your chair this morning. Because that is actually how this works. That's the secret. Um, Jesus, at the end of the Gospels, the final thing he does is he tells his followers to go. He says, you go, you go and tell people about me. Right at the beginning, at the very start of the church, the strategy is this, go and tell Go and share. And as they did, the good news just spread like wildfire across the world. That's just how it works, through people, through us, through you, and through me. So if you have your Bibles, maybe turn to the book of Romans. It's in the New Testament. And uh, chapter 10, Paul, who um, was a leader in the early church, he writes this to the Christians in Rome, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That phrase there, calls on the name of the Lord, is, um, is, uh, is about responding to Jesus, acknowledging him, acknowledging that we need him. Like Peter, when he's walking on, he walks on the water and he begins to sink and he calls out to Jesus, rescue me. That phrase, call on the name of the Lord, is one of surrendering, responding to Jesus. So he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will then they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. I love Paul because um, he's so logical. He's like one of the most logical authors in the Bible. Um, let's just walk through that passage there. Um, so he says this. It's kind of in steps. Okay, The first step is this. He's like, people need Jesus. They need to call on his name. He's the rescuer. We need him. He's our savior. We need to call on his name. Everyone needs to call on his name. Step one. Step two. But how are they going to do that? How are people going to do that? How are they going to respond to Jesus if they don't actually believe in him? People need to believe in him, which I think is a fair point. It's difficult to call on someone if you don't believe they exist. Believing, he says, precedes responding. Step three, he goes on. How are they to believe in him if they haven't heard about him? Again, good point. Hearing precedes believing. Step four, but they aren't going to hear about him unless somebody tells them about him. Telling precedes hearing. And they aren't going to be told about him unless people are sent to do that. Sending precedes telling. I love it. It's so logical. It's like he's boiling everything down. If we ultimately want people to see Jesus, respond to Jesus, find life in Jesus, 
to call on his name, then the bottom line is that it starts with us, his followers of Jesus being sent, going to people and sharing the good news. If we reverse the ordering of that passage, it kind of almost helps to clarify it. If we go, um, so if we just reverse that for a moment. If we go to people, firstly, and tell people, secondly, then some will hear, some will believe, and some will respond. But it starts with going and telling. That's how it works through us. Unfortunately, the whole thing doesn't depend on us. We can't make people respond to God. We can't make them believe. We can't even make people listen. If there's one thing that um, having three boys under four has taught me, you cannot force even little people to listen if they don't want to. Whether they listen or not seems to be completely and irritatingly within their own control. I don't know if you're parents, you absolutely know this, but their hearing is astonishingly selective. You know, they'll be like, I'll be like, put on your clothes, put on your clothes, put on your clothes, put on your clothes, no listening, put on your clothes, put on your clothes, do you want some chocolate? And all of a sudden, all ears, all ears. And I'm like, interesting, how interesting. But we can't make people listen. Those three steps, whether people respond, whether someone believes or listens, is really between someone and God. It's really between them and God. It's their bit and it's God's bit. But going and telling, that's our bit. That's where we carry the baton. Going and telling, it starts with us. The Bible's clear, I think, and in our experience, I think it's true too. The good news isn't normally shared through like lightning in the sky sort of moments, but through people. God uses us to communicate the good news. And this is why, you know, over the centuries, so many people have given their lives as missionaries. That's why in the early church, um, they shared their faith under the worst opposition and persecution. It's why David Livingstone in the 19th century gave up everything and moved to Africa and died there sharing the gospel with hard-to-reach people groups. It's why Hudson Taylor in the mid-19th century gave up everything to go to China and share the gospel there. It's why Jim Elliot in 1956 gave his life along with five others sharing the gospel to tribes in Ecuador. It's why Brother Andrew started smuggling Bibles into the Eastern European Communist bloc in the 50s. It's why Jackie Pullinger is pouring out her life, sharing sharing Jesus with heroin addicts and gang members in Hong Kong right now. These people and thousands of others realize that we aren't just a dispensable part of the process of the good news being heard, of people meeting Jesus, of finding life, but actually we're an indispensable part of the process. You are an indispensable part of the process. It starts with going and telling, and that's our part. You know, at Christmas, I went to um, my son's first ever little nativity play, and uh, he was like, I think he was like a snowflake. But the more I've thought about that, I'm wondering whether he was an angel. Uh, Because he's like, do you have snowflakes? Anyway, um, I think he was a snowflake. Um, But what he had to do was know his part. He, need, he had to know when he needed to sing and know when he needed to come in. He had to know his part. Going and telling, that's our part. And Paul's point is this. It's not just a bit part, but it's really important. In fact, it's crucial. Somebody probably played that part in your life at some point. And you could be for someone 
what someone was for you. So we're like, yes, Paul, I, I get it, I'm on board, uh, you know, um, I'm, with, I'm with you, but what exactly does that look like? How do we do that? How do we play our part? I just got five things that I think hopefully will help, not sort of exhaustive, but um, hopefully help, helpful. The first is this, um, it's worth recognizing that going doesn't necessarily mean going. Jesus said, go and make Go into all the earth and make disciples. And that's exactly what happened. His followers went everywhere. The world was never the same. But the disciple Peter actually didn't. He didn't travel overseas. He didn't go to deepest, darkest Peru. He didn't go somewhere distant and remote. He went to Jerusalem, which is where he'd actually all, always been. And he shared the gospel there. You know, it's so easy to associate going with like the kind of special call, you know, overseas. Like those people I just mentioned, it may be that for some of us, that actually is the case, but for probably the majority of us, it won't be. Going doesn't always mean going. Like Peter, for many of us, the challenge and encouragement is to go, but where you are, in your neighborhood, into the workplace, into school, into university, into the halls of residence, into your family, and to see those places as a mission field. I'm, a, I'm an accountant, and I'm a missionary. I'm an engineer, and I'm a missionary. I'm a neighbor and I'm a missionary. I'm a, I'm a mechanic and I'm a, a missionary. I'm in Sainsbury's and I'm a missionary. You know, I actually um, remember a moment shopping in Sainsbury's where um, I, I, I bought some shopping. I had to go to the customer services desk for some reason. I noticed that the lady, the other side of the customer services desk, had a, a bad arm. I, I can't remember if it was in a sling or something. But anyway, I had that sort of dreaded feeling of like, maybe I should pray for her. And, um, and I kind of... It's like, oh, it's probably on the mend. Like, it looks all right. She's got a sling, so the Lord obviously worked through the NHS. Uh, so, you know, let's leave it there. Anyway, I could not shake this feeling, and so I was like, I'm going to have to pray for this. So I, I went up to her and said, look, I'm really sorry. This is, I'm a Christian. I hope this is, like, not too strange, but I wonder whether I could just pray for you, for your arm. And she said, fine. And so I am... Um, here, when we pray for people, often we'll lay hands on, right? Loads of you will do that. So um, I sort of leant across to just sort of lay my hand on her arm as I was going to pray for her. And I realized that as I did, um, that I had fully underestimated the depth of the, the desk, like the customer service desk, and the distance between me and the lady. And so I began to reach, and halfway through, I realized I was going to have to abort this whole, this thing. And so, um, so what ended up happening was this slightly strange Jedi-like movement. <laughs> at which, and I landed, I kid you, I tell no word of lie, I landed like this. <sighs> I put my head down, I closed my eyes, I prayed the most embarrassed prayer I think I've ever prayed, and I walked out. And it was not a proud moment for me. It was not a success story. But in some ways... I actually think it is a success story. You know, I think to be about our everyday, ordinary, normal lives, conscious that we're on a mission, is really important. Going doesn't always mean going. And secondly, it's also worth recognizing that um, telling isn't always talking. In 1 Peter 3, we read this, should be on the screen, but, but in your hearts, reveal, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I, I love this passage because it actually it encourages us to talk about Jesus. You know, be prepared 
Be prepared to talk about him. But the assumption in the text is that people will see something first in our lives that prompts the question, that prompts them to ask about it. They'll notice something, a difference, a hope, a life, a light, as Ollie talked about a few weeks ago. And they'll ask about it. It will give you an opportunity. The way we live will give an opportunity. So it means that sharing with Jesus with people isn't only or even firstly talking to them, but living out everything we believe, living how Jesus calls us to live, making different decisions, looking at how we talk, how we drink, how we deal with difficult things. It's about how kind we are, how compassionate we are. Live in such a way, Peter says, so that people will go, what is that about you? Why are you like that? And then tell them, don't be shy, don't hold back, tell them about Jesus. We've got to communicate the good news, but telling is always more than just talking. And that's why the, you know, blessing the community things that we do so regularly are great, because they, they create the question, they create the why. Thirdly, make the most of every opportunity. In uh, Colossians chapter 4, Paul writes this, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. But that doesn't mean that we have to be weird and try and shoehorn everything into uh, to the gospel. So there's a little clip here uh, just for a minute or so. Oh, excuse me, can you help me? I've, I've just come from the park. Someone just came up and took off with my dog. Right, yes, hold on a minute, madam. Uh, George, there's a lady who says she's looking for uh, eternal salvation in the Lord. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said someone came up and took off with my dog. Right, scratch that, Jill. She's changed her mind. <laughs> dog, you say, madam. Right, what's its name? It's a she. She is called Jess. Jess. Right, so that's J-E-S-U-S. <laughs> no, she's called Jess and you've just written Jesus. <laughs> so I have. Still, it's a lovely word, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. He died for all our sins, you know, madam. <laughs> oh, right, sorry, madam. So you say you were in the park when you lost uh, little Jesse. Right. Would that be the park by the church, madam? No, the one by the lake. Yeah, but you can see the church of Our Lady from there, though, can't you, madam? Can you? Yeah. In that case, madam, would you have been able to hear the faithful singing from there, something like this? Kumbaya, Malone, kumbaya, kumbaya. Would you have been able to hear anything like that, madam? Um, I, I suppose so. Mm. And if you had heard it, how loudly would they have been singing? Would it have been sort of, kumbaya, Malone, kumbaya. Or more sort of, oh, Lord, kumbaya. Excellent. It goes on for another two minutes and gets increasingly painful. Feel free to go and watch it at home. Um, but we don't need to be like that, okay? That is, a, that is an example of, of what not to do. Um, let's not be like that. But we do want to make the most of every opportunity. Paul tells us to do that. And Paul, when he writes this, he's actually in prison. And he, he saw it as an opportunity. He saw it as an opportunity to tell other cellmates about Jesus, to tell the courts and officials. And ultimately, he hoped Caesar about Jesus. Few of us will be in quite such extreme circumstances as that, but the principle is the same. What opportunities do you have to share Jesus? Last year, um, my wife and I uh, we sadly lost a, a little baby girl um, around 20 weeks, and um, it was pretty, the whole thing was pretty awful and traumatic, and Lizzie was 
rushed to hospital in the ambulance and lost a, a huge amount of blood. And um, it was pretty scary, um, but she was, she was okay in the end. And, but it was also devastating. Um, you know, she had to stay in hospital for a number of days to, to recover. And um, I was sent home in the, in the nights, and then I'd come back in the day. And that first night, she stayed in, and uh, I came in the next morning, and I, you know, just as, as I was like, how, how are you doing? You know, how, how was the night? And she told me about this lady who'd been brought into the ward during the night who hadn't been very well, and she was quite upset. And so during the night, Lizzie would sort of managed to get out of bed and sort of hobble over to this lady's bed and um, sat down with her and talked to her and prayed with her and talked to her about Jesus, and then went back to her own bed. And I just... You know, I just thought, what an amazing thing, um, because that's what happens when Jesus is in us and we're in dark places. There's some light that starts to shine. We have hope and life to share, whatever the situation. In every situation, an opportunity to share Jesus. Make the most of every opportunity. It may even be uh, in, about creating opportunities. Loads of you will, will have had your children dedicated here. We did the same. Had a, a, a big party thing in the room over there before the wall was taken down. And uh, we used it as an opportunity to invite friends and family who don't know Jesus to come. And we, we, uh, they came to church, and then we talked to them about our main hope for the boys is that they would grow up to know Jesus, that they would grow up to love him. And it was an opportunity to, to share that with them. Um, Lizzie recently started a, oh, I say recently, maybe two years ago now, but um, started a, a book club. Again, she went around flyering. Our neighbors must be like, oh my goodness, the house is full of flyers from our house. Um, but saying, any ladies want to have a book club? And so I started a book club. I think there's been about 15 different ladies who've come along to that. And each month they, they'll read a book and then they'll meet and then they'll talk about it. And I think actually the book has become increasingly sidelined and it's just an opportunity to like chat, you know. Uh, I, I'm not there, so I don't know. Um, but, um, but what it did do is it provided the opportunity last Easter uh, for Lizzie to say, hey, why don't we this month, why don't we look at this book about, it's about Jesus, it's about the resurrection, it's about the Easter story. So they read that and then had an evening talking about that. And, you know, it's created some opportunities for her to pray with some of those ladies when they've been having, having some difficult things. So just make the most of every opportunity. And next Sunday, is an amazing opportunity. Let's not waste it, it's right there in front of us. Make the most of every opportunity. The flyer is on your seat. So uh, fourthly, pray. That passage in Colossians starts this way. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. The author, John Piper, says this about prayer. When we pray, things happen that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't prayed. I love it. It's so simple. So simple. Prayer makes a difference. And we need to engage with what Paul's saying here and pray for opportunities, pray for our friends, pray for ourselves, pray for conversations, pray that as we invite people to next Sunday that they would respond. Go and tell is our bit in the process, but it doesn't mean that God isn't involved. So as we... Go about going and telling. Let's pray. And, five, and lastly, five, take risks. At the end of the day, there's always a slight risk that someone might say no to an invitation, that someone may think we're weird, a risk, a risk of rejection, of looking foolish. It's a bit scary, but it's so worth it. A little while ago, uh, my brother um, 
lives in Birmingham. He was walking through a park, Sutton Park, and he passed this guy, and he felt like um, God say, his name's Daniel. And like Daniel and the lion's den, if you're familiar with that story, the lions are encroaching in on him. Death is encroaching in on him. And I want you to tell him that I love him, that I see him. And so Sam's like, it's probably me. I don't really want to do that. It could be wrong. So he walks past, and, uh, but he can't escape this feeling. So eventually he decides to turn around. And he thinks, well, if the guy's still there, which is hopefully unlikely, uh, then I'll, met, you know, I'll go and do it. I'll shoot for it. So he walks back up, and, and I think basically slightly to his dismay, the guy's still there. And so he goes up to the guy, and he says, um, I'm a Christian. Um, I hope this isn't too strange, but I, just, I was praying, and I felt like God wanted me to say something to you. Are you, is your name Daniel by any chance? And the guy says, no. And so he says, excellent, you know, brilliant. Thanks, Lord. He's, he's like, well, I'm in now. So he's like, is there anything? Like, I don't know. I felt like maybe there was something like, like um, are you in danger? Or like, is death sort of on your mind? Or um, does that make it? And the guy was like, how do you know that? And so I was like, well, um, I, what do you mean? Like, I, what do you mean? And the guy was like, actually, my name is Daniel. I just... Um, I was, I'm running from people, I'm fleeing from people, I'm in danger, and I didn't want to tell you in case it was dangerous. And he said, actually, I'm on my way, I'm, I want, I'm going to commit suicide, because I'm just at an end of myself. And so my brother sat down with him there on the bench in the park, and he talked to me, he said, God loves you, he knows you, and he shared the gospel with him. And this guy there on the bench in the park, gave his life to Jesus. He went back and he lived with my brother for a couple of nights, and then they have a like, little charity community thing they run, and, uh, and he went to stay with a couple in that community. And his journey since has been up and down, you know, slightly chaotic life, chaotic background, and his journey's up and down. But um, my brother Sam became the somebody in his life in that one moment. The somebody that in the future he'll look back and go, that was, that was the moment. That was the key. He took a risk and it made all the difference, but he had to step out. And really, if you think about it, at worst he could have felt silly maybe for half an hour. At best, someone goes from death to life, from darkness to light, and starts a journey of faith. I think it's worth it. I know that's amazing, you know, it's an, it's an amazing story. I have loads of stories that are the opposite to that. <laughs> we were tried and it hasn't happened. Um, hence the Sainsbury's story. Um, but either way, it's worth stepping out. It's not easy inviting our friends, neighbors to church. It requires stepping out, but it's worth it. They are worth it. If somebody did that for you, you could be that for some, you could be for someone what someone was for you. So I'd love just to invite Peter up uh, for a moment. Uh, let's just welcome Peter. He's going to come share his story. If you were here at the um, baptism service a few weeks ago, Peter shared. So he's just going to um, he's just going to share a little bit more about his journey to faith. Um, so Peter, do you want to pop that? Pop your seat on there. Um, so could you tell us a little bit what what was your life like before um, coming to faith, before meeting Jesus? My life before meeting Jesus um, was very centered around myself. I'd been on a journey of faith since a relatively young age, but wasn't really living out the Bible as a Christian should. After my dad died three years ago, I soon developed issues with anxiety and depression, which I bottled up and didn't speak about with anyone. Over time, these emotions I'd been hiding would come out of me in the form of anger, especially to the people closest to me. I didn't want to talk to or see anyone, and the smallest incident would trigger aggressive outbursts. 
Daily, I would be completely mentally exhausted from my anxious thoughts, which eventually began to control how I lived my life. I can remember praying one time in desperation to God, praying he would break the cycle of these obsessive and negative thoughts that were constantly and relentlessly flying around in my head. And so you, you um, came to church, came to faith. Can you tell us a little bit about coming to faith and the difference that that made in your life? Since starting church in October and pursuing a serious relationship with Jesus, there's been an incredible turnaround in my life. My obsessive negative thought patterns have truly been alleviated to a point where they no longer control my life like they once did. I can now consciously control my anger and behavior over the small things, which would um, before lead to aggressive outbursts. I have a lot more clarity in my life now that it centers around Jesus and not myself. I don't worry so much about the future anymore because I know that Jesus has a real plan for my life and I try to embrace his guidance as much as I possibly can. I'm so much more content and happy with my life. It's amazing. So, so um, we sort of had the before and after, but there, there's obviously like a kind of missing link there. What, um, how did you end up coming along here? And um, can you just talk about the process of actually coming to faith, how that happened? There was a guy who started to work about two years ago. He was with us for about six months. And in that time, I didn't speak to him once, and I can't recall him speaking to anyone else either. He then left for around six months, and he came back again, still quite a reclusive figure. Then one day, I was put on the same job as him, so he had, no, um, so he had to speak to me. <laughs> we got talking, and he noticed my tattoo and asked if I was Christian. And it turned out he was too. He proceeded to ask if I went to church, and I said I didn't. And that's when he told me he was a member of the Milton Mowbray Vineyard and that I should go along one time. I think he noticed my slight reluctance and that's when he told me that Nottingham had a vineyard too. It wasn't until around eight months had passed that I finally plucked up the courage to come to a morning service. I was on my own so I was really anxious and didn't know what to expect. I got my free cup of coffee and began to gingerly wander over to the seated area, not knowing what um, I was meant to be doing. That's when I met a lovely lady called Marie Turned around, um, sorry, he turned around to me and asked me if I was okay, which I replied with no, this is my first time here, which was out of character for me as I would usually say I'm okay. She invited me to sit with her and we enjoyed the service together and had a chat and exchanged numbers. The following week we uh, met again and she mentioned the Alpha course to me. I wasn't too keen to begin with, but at the end of the service she introduced me, um, introduced me to John Bodley and I agreed to start the course that week. Without Bill from work telling me about Trent Vineyard, and without Marie's kindness and initi initiative to tell me about Alpha, I literally wouldn't be in the position I'm in right now. I owe everything I've achieved so far to those two people, and of course Jesus, who helped bring us all together. Thank you, man. It's amazing. Let's give Amazing. Thank you. Bless you. That's just one of many, many stories like that. We have a key part to play. It's just the way God has decided to do it. So just finally, uh, to kind of close, the verse in Romans we've been looking at finishes with this strange little line. If you've um, read that, it says this. How beautiful, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. It's actually a quote that Paul is taking from um, Isaiah, who's in the Old Testament, um, and in Isaiah it reads this way, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And at that time, Israel had been taken captive under the empire of Babylon. 
the king of Babylon, King Cyrus, was deciding whether to free them or not. And runners had been sent out from Israel to find out what the decision was. So the Israelites waited and waited and looked and watched for the runners to return, waiting and hoping for good news. And then eventually they saw them running over the mountains. They spotted them while still far off with news of their freedom. And Isaiah writes, how beautiful the feet that carry that good news. Not because the messenger's feet are particularly anything, but because of the goodness of the message, the thing that they carry. And Paul uses the exact same line here with all the same meaning. We have good news of freedom, joy, life here and eternal. Really, really good news. There's a God who loves us, a God who died for us, a God who wants to rescue us and give us life for eternity. We carry that news. We could be the beautiful feet that carry it into somebody's life. There's somebody that they look back on years from now and remember with affection as the person who made the key difference, the person who really got it going for them. You could be for someone what someone was for you, the bringer, the carrier of the best news. So let's make the most of every opportunity. Next Sunday is just one, but it's a great one. So let's get inviting people. Why don't we stand? And maybe just before we do anything else, um, just quietly on your own, whoever, I'm sure there'll, be, there'll have been a couple of people spring to mind. As I've been speaking, a couple of work colleagues, family members, people who ultimately you long for them to meet Jesus. And so just in the quiet, maybe if we close our eyes, just begin to bring them before the Lord. You know, like, like John Piper said, things happen when we pray that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't prayed. So let's just spend a few moments praying for those people, whoever they are.